Welcome, everybody, to the Beyond Red and Blue podcast. This is episode 16. I'm your host, Bo Richards, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Dan Humphrey. Say hi, Dan. Hello, hello, hello. Awesome. And today we have a, an amazing and very special guest that is uh, dear to both Dan and mine's hearts. It is Black Belt's Trinidad Trino, middle name redacted, Mendoza. <laughs> And I only said that because I actually forgot your middle name, even though you told me like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's pretty unusual. So <laughs> it's Cruz. Is that right? Okay, awesome. I had a brain fart. So I like middle name redacted. We're going to go with that. That's your new nickname. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. Good. Hanging in there with, uh, with the pandemic, trying to stay active. Yeah. Yep. At least, uh, no name to be disclosed, but luckily my gym did not shut down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very nice. That's handy. Luckily, I've had no breaks. I would have been extremely mad. Because <laughs> yeah. I just got out of it, just hitting the good stride as far as getting back into shape and stuff. So, sure. So, luckily, no holes on that, along with physical therapy on top of it. So. Okay. And remind me what you're doing your physical therapy for. It's like adductor tendonitis, basically. That's right. Okay. Oh, so wow. Yeah. That doesn't that, sound pleasant. No, no, it's not. In fact, I'm sure, like, at some point, I mentioned it to both of you guys. Like, my knees were, like, clicking and popping. Yep. I thought it was, like, a quad issue. Nope. Somehow, like, all my groin muscles, I got those to lead the party instead of glutes on, like, any kind of, like, uh, like squatting type movement and stuff. And so I think jujitsu is actually kind of keeping it manageably at bay. And then like three, oh wait, no, can't jump start in March. So four months later uh, in, in July, that's when it really decided to freak out and got really painful. <laughs> so wow. I couldn't, well, I you couldn't know start doing like any squatting or deadlifting and, until about a month ago. Damn. Huh. Well, you know, as I understand it, uh, tendonitis being a, a matter of inflammation and is typically brought about uh, via overuse, uh, I guess I'll just leave that between you and your wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, luckily, luckily, it's all worked out. Didn't affect that part. <laughs> Even walking for like a little while was uh, not not really feasible. Yeah. Dang. Are you able to uh, do you go into the office to work or are you working from home? I work from home, luckily. Okay. That's nice. <clears throat> so no, yeah, no breaks that. in that. Yeah. And what oh, kind of things do they have you doing excellent. for yeah. What kind of things do they have you doing for PT? Um we did a lot of like glue medius and minimus activation. Uh, type of exercises and, and do a lot of kind of like almost like almost like lunging movements but just not really deep and it's okay. just you just have to make sure to put your leg in a position to where you're you're forcing your your the big glutes to actually like activate first sure with any type like you know hip movement or hip extension type movement so that, that was just the thing somehow like i was able to get my body to th to think that the adductors were in charge of that part or the head of that party instead of 
of my glutes and stuff, which is <laughs> weird. Yeah. But, but it's kind of weird because when you actually do, when you, you don't re notice it at all when you do it like normally, like you just try to like balance on one leg or whatever, it actually kind of looks like your, your knee is in a little bit. So like your hip is kind of a little outward further, not, not like a line in a straight line sure with your body and so that's that's how your body actually makes like the glute take over to as like the primary mover for primary mover and for balance and, and so I, like i do like a lot of like those like uh lunging type movements with that to just keep doing it over and over again just to make the glutes go hey you're you're leading the party sure. <laughs> y'all got work to do hey trino do you happen to have a television on in the background or something no no it's just a blank wall no i mean, I mean it sounds like there's a little bit of audio bleeding through um, uh it's probably the computer fan oh it sounded like a like a show or something okay i was just checking no i i'm in i'm in a bedroom like with no other sound or anything on okay maybe it's just skype it could be, yeah, because I, I don't have anything on either. Do you hear what I'm talking about, though? I do, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it sounds like, it yeah, no worries. I'm curious, Trino, um, it, do you think that, you know, you're you're not activating your glutes and using your, uh, your groin, essentially, for these movements? Has How do you think that's affected your jujitsu? In a, in, a, in a positive or a negative way? Well, definitely when I was only like a couple months in the rehab, I, I tried to get a little bit of rolling in and uh, definitely notice, uh, notice how involved it is with pretty much everything yeah. <laughs> in, in jiu-jitsu. And at that point, like I, I hit maybe like a half hour and by then I was just like, yeah, if I do any more, I'm going to cause myself excruciating pain. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> um, but I got, I was able to get one in before the re-updated, get a roll, couple, some rolls in before the re-updated order, and uh, everything felt pretty good, actually. Good. I'm glad to hear it. It's Yeah, I just got normal muscle soreness the next day, which would have been expected since I hadn't rolled for, that was my first time rolling in months, so. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to the soreness that's headed my way. <laughs> It'll be worth it, but it's coming. Yeah. You just got to practice that old man jujitsu where you just don't do much of anything. And well, that's why I just, try, yeah, I just try to lay on everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you don't have to worry about getting sore. Yeah. I, um, I remember I've talked a little bit about this before, but my first day in jujitsu, you know, we were doing the warm ups and Brian had us do uh, side shrimps. And, um, which is a really weird movement, obviously. And, it's not entirely clear for most people for a very long time why you would ever even need to do a side shrimp when you're actually grappling. Um, and then as, so I tried to do them and failed and grunted and, and, you know, cheated my way through it, but I actually pulled my groin muscle doing that somehow. Yeah. I, I still think that's a, uh quite a challenge you achieved there. <laughs> yeah. but, but as you explain what you were dealing with, it makes me think that I might have had like a low level similar, like a similar issue. Yeah, I think I was just activating something going on already. Yeah, and I just never knew, and because for a good year, maybe maybe a little bit longer after that, maybe eighteen months, I stretched 
I still stretch quite a bit, but I, I stretched the hell out of my groin in particular. Like I used to get up and just sit in a butterfly pose every morning for like 20 minutes just to like let my muscles loosen. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you probably definitely had something going on. Before yeah. That. And, and it wasn't really as a, I don't know if it was necessarily like as a, an actual result of that. Cause I did kind of heal up after like a week or so. Um, but I noticed that as I rolled more like that, in particular, my right groin muscle would, would like get super tight and it'd be, have, it'd cause, cause me a lot of pain. So I wonder if, the, if it was something similar. I just kind of stretched a bunch, um, and started doing a lot of active stretching in the morning um, to really focus my muscles. And then once I started to do like actual glute exercises, like, uh, um, you know, like I'd sit with one knee down, one leg up and then pull my heel to my butt to really activate the the hamstring that started to make it go away. Cause I'd like force my other muscles to like work kind of what you were explaining. I just, kinda, I just figured it out. I think on my own over 18 months, just like trying crap early in the morning. <laughs> You got lucky. <laughs> yeah, I did because it doesn't bother me for like three years, which is nice. And so, um, but if what you experienced is anything like what I experienced, I feel for you because it was very terrible. Um, your sounds way worse than what mine was, but uh, yeah, yeah, and it's it started off on my left side majorly, and then eventually it happened on the right. And then, yeah, of course, that when it got to the point where it was like really painful to walk, I was like, all right. I need to I need to go get physical therapy. <laughs> so like, I don't know that's not right, but I know it's not terrible because I could do like any anything, no problem. <laughs> Did you find that it affected like your your knees at all? Did you have like knee pain? Did you have yeah, trouble? Yeah, yeah, I had knee pain, clicking and popping on the inside, kind of inside portion of my knees. Because I I noticed that too, and I I don't I never really made the connection between the two but you would mentioned your knees were popping and knocking and so if, if you were experiencing knee pain it, i wonder if that was something similar as well because i got when, when i used to get knee pain is i'd get it when i do knee cut passes in particular and i always just thought it was a problem of my hips and my knees weren't lined up so my hips would face what straight my knees would go left or right depending on the angle i'm going you know and then it would just like twerk my knee but i wonder if that was a combination of both right is that i I'm learning how to knee cut because I'm a white, you know, I was a white belt and I don't know how, and I don't understand the relationship of my hips to my knees, which is incredibly important to movement. And so I'm, you know, all out of whack, but at the same time, like I'm using the wrong muscles to do everything. And so it's just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a firing order problem going on or, you know, that, that, that went away eventually too. And I didn't really think about whether it was in connection with being more flexible and like, having stronger muscles that you know were used properly or not it just kind of went away as i i started to knee cut past more slowly and re, and then it was either you trino or sean told me like you know your hips and your knees have to be in line otherwise you're going to break your knee like you can't just turn and face somebody and then take your knee the other direction like if they're holding on to it it's going to twist it like you're just going to heel hook yourself basically yep. <laughs> and, and once i once i understood what that meant and I was like, oh, this makes sense. Okay. So then it's kind of worked itself out, but interesting, interesting. Well, you know, Bo, I would, I would think that at least a contributing factor, and I, I think this happens to a lot of guys that, because uh, you were doing more of the traditional gym type workouts, right? With your, you know, squats and deadlifts and like the press time, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is going to, uh, it's going to uh, enforce a certain motor pattern 
Yeah. Uh, and particularly if you're like, you know, leg press or whatever, where it's very restricted. And then to do something that's way more multi-planar, like jujitsu. Correct. The yeah. little muscles. I mean, like, what's going on here? We haven't had oh, yeah. to work in forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to working in multiple planes. Yep. I didn't even learn about multiple planes of working out until I started jujitsu. <laughs> like, I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, I it was... I actually can't remember all there's three technically, right? I don't remember which, what they're all called, but I just remember, you know, teachers and football coaches showing you how to do power lifts. And then they were like, eat a bunch of protein and do as many of these as you can. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, and, like, and then, you know, when you're done puking, do some more. Cause we had a pretty, um, at our school, it was, it was a fairly, uh, I would think primitive, uh, weightlifting program. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we had, at that time, yeah, we, had a, I mean, we had an amazing gym. There was a, there was a huge amount of money put into the gym. We had a huge amount of equipment. It was all brand new, but it was basically like we want you to bulk up. So you're going to do a whole bunch of stuff. It's going to be as much weight as you can do it for as many reps. Then breathe for a few minutes, and then do it again. And then you're just going to do that for like two hours. And then we're going to do it every day. And hopefully you'll be heavy enough. Oh wow! See, my mine like they they wanted us to live, but they they. They made us run and run and run. <laughs> we actually didn't do much running. I preferred the running because I like to run. And so, I, but it was. So remember I did, uh, I did uh, freshman football, you know, two hour practices. First hour was all running. <laughs> and on a, when, you know, high school, high school football, it starts at the end of August. Yeah. And I remember the year that I played football, it was pretty hot <laughs> that, that summer. And running with 20 extra pounds of gear on you <laughs> with little, very few breaks for water and everything. It was, it was, it was miserable, but I'll tell you what, I was never tired during a game. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's kind of, that's a big part of it, right? Where, um, where did you grow up? Well, I've always grew up, I grew up in the Edmonds okay. mostly, but I, I did spend my first two years of high school at a day. At day, okay. Nice. I don't play my freshman year in football at that time. Like, I, I, I wasn't really ready for that. And so I still finished, you know, since I started. But I was like, after I was like, yeah, I don't know if I might like football that much. <laughs> of course, if I understood, like, body movement and how to move my body a little better like I do now, like, maybe if I went to there, then I probably would have went differently, but... I stuck with it for four years and I, I, I liked it at the time, but I look back and I'm like, I don't know why I did it. I, I would have much preferred to have done wrestling or pers personally, or, um, though I guess wrestling was a little bit after football. Usually it was the winter season, but, or just something else. Like I, I look back and I was like, I didn't really enjoy it as much as I thought I did. Um, which is interesting, but they didn't have jujitsu, which would have been great. I, pro I probably actually might even have tried to do that in high school. I don't know, but yeah, um, I, I hadn't been hadn't actually done martial arts yet. I didn't do it till college. Uh, yeah. but, but my sport at that time was more baseball. Baseball. But, yeah, but come when I come around when I try to do that, I, I kind of saw how the system worked and. 
like I, I didn't even get considered or anything. And there were kids that did that were brothers of known athlete, you know, popular yeah, athletes yeah. at that school that uh, I got picked in front of me, even though they did worse than I did at tryouts. So I was like, I literally just dropped my mitt and ball and was like, I'm done. That's shitty. Didn't play into the real world. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Didn't play after that because like I you know, consistently put in like a lot of work and I could do pretty pretty much any position because I analyzed baseball so much. Yeah. Uh, you know, during those years and everything. And after that I was like, really? So kind of like, quit playing after that. <laughs> when, so uh... Trino, um we uh, we have the tradition since you are part of the the Matt fam the jujitsu family. Um, give us your origin story. How mm-hmm. did you how did you discover jujitsu? Well, of course, I discovered it. You know, like most of us did during the first uh, UFCs. Uh, but at that time, like I, I was fascinated by it. I had never uh, and really considered doing martial arts quite yet and then when I got into uh, college we started uh, they had a self-defense class but it was uh, it, it was karate and they have like an actual like kick ass like karate coach like actually like doing the class and we would do the class like their actual training sessions and like just in one quarter like my fitness level just went up phenomenally and then after that, I was like, well, they were based in Ballard. So I was like, I don't want to, you know, just Edmonds to Ballard, you know, however many days, especially when, you know, driving wasn't, you know, I could drive, but it wasn't like a, exactly like a luxury for me at that time, just, you know, drive wherever. Uh, so then like a few years later down the road, then I you know, started doing some research into jiu-jitsu. I wanted to do something self-defense. Um, that time, you know, people weren't quite boasting about like the mental benefits of it or anything is pure self-defense. And it's like, I can get in shape too. And so when I looked around, I think at that time, there was maybe three schools in the area. You know, uh, Marcelo Alonso was one. And that was, again, another one that was like too far for me. And I didn't, I couldn't do it at the times. And then, so I found this place in Everett. Uh, much like Brian's story, Kung Fu School. <laughs> Same story. Brian actually started like a month or two before I did, actually. Did he really? <laughs> yeah. So that's when I found uh, Justin Angelos, who was a blue belt at the time from uh, Pedro Sauer School in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just got really lucky. Uh, you know, it, it was just stress like technique at first. I had no idea what I was doing never even done wrestling or anything so like everything was like new and yet there were uh he would have like enough people to come in and not you know always stress like take care of your body you know because there's a lot of people in there that had you know injuries they just ignored and stuff like that and so between justin just emphasizing technique right up front and everything it was pretty much just multiple play and like it just worked out and like i liked where i was where it was and I liked him as a teacher, and so I just I just ended up staying there. Yeah, nice. What year was that? Two thousand six. No, actually, I just celebrated yesterday thirteen years. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that was I, still... 
might have had the uh, the tail end of some of the the old school methods of uh, you know kind of I think through the '90s at least it was the old school very hardcore just kind of throw you in and roll. Here's a technique, you got it. Okay, now go roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know injuries. I had to throw some tape on it. Come on, keep going. That was my uh, football the, coach's answer for everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, What's wrong? Your wrist hurt? Type it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Me hurt typing. <laughs> so Rub some dirt in it. Let's go. Right. Um, I we forgot to I forgot to ask Brian this, but at what point did did he open his own school and and divert divulge diverge from uh, Justin Angelos? And you, I assume, followed him. Uh, he, not right away, actually, because what. Uh, what happens that we were in David, the Kung Fu school was David Fiedler's. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were there for a couple of years, and then he uh, ended up getting a bigger facility in Muckleteo. Yeah. Uh, so we were still kind of under, I guess, under his school, technically. I guess you consider him the owner of the school. And then eventually just wasn't able to get enough people in there to support that big of a facility. So then it kind of disbanded. And then uh, and then that's when Brian kind of broke and breaking off and uh, getting under the Evergreen Karate Jiu-Jitsu uh, banner. And I think now that I was a senior, I had my daughter, so it's about 2010. Yeah. I think it was. <clears throat> but I had to because my daughter had like a lot of health issues at that time. Um, we lived at the hospital as much as we did at home. So uh, I was going pretty strong at that point. But then when she was born, I ended up having to kind of leave for two years. Right, right, right. And then and then come back and then that's when I am. Okay. So what made you decide to choose to come back with Brian versus Justin? Uh, Justin wasn't even in the area at that time. Okay. Was was in the area, but he just wasn't. He just wasn't close. No, he was still in the area at that time. He just wasn't posted at a school. Okay. Or anything, and I think he at that time he had already had plans that he was going to be going back to Salt Lake City. Got so right. I, I so I just ended up sticking with Brian. Sure. Fair enough. Okay. And what year did you get your black belt? To 17, 2017. I remember. I was actually there. I just can't remember what year it was. <laughs> I'm technically due for due for a strike. Whenever we yeah. get Pedro back, man. <laughs> I uh, I I have such I have like zero concept of time. Uh, a lot of times I don't. I have to associate it yeah. with something specific for me. Right. <laughs> and I was like trying to think. I was like, well, I think it was the last time Pedro was here. But that could have been like nine months ago or three years ago. Like I just don't remember. Three years ago. Yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. Well, now it's uh. I guess it would have been yeah, maybe four. I don't think it's been that long. No, because this March, yeah, because he because I've seen him twice. He's he he came my first became the right after I got my blue belt. So it was just under a year and. And then he came the following year, and then it's been, I guess, yeah, this will be three years in March from that time. Three, four years. That's crazy. <laughs> so have 
outside of jujitsu, have you ever done any other cross training? I did the, the karate early on. Yeah. And then while we were under fever, eventually, I eventually, after doing jiu-jitsu for a while, then he, he did, uh, well, he also did specifically Wing Chun, and then he also did like an MMA class. Okay. But he is super knowledgeable and had done practically just about every kind of like combat competition you can possibly do. So I was really fortunate fortunate enough at that time to uh, also start doing Wing Chun over again for a while. And then he also did a MMA class, but he already integrated a lot of other um, um, arts into it already. So, he, he, so I learned how to do kickboxing from him. Uh, he would integrate Muay Thai, uh, boxing, you know, traditional boxing and stuff sure. like just about everything I got, I got a little taste of little everything from there, but I was already integrating everything with him back then at that time. In fact, uh, uh, I was enjoying it so much and doing it so much. Like I was almost like gearing to kind of start actually doing MMA. And then, you know, then, then my daughter was born and then I was like, Oh, okay. I'm not going to have enough time to do this, so I got to pick something and, or stick, pick something to stick with. And, and I'm doing jujitsu just because, you know, realistically, you know, most fights go to the ground. Most people aren't very comfortable there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, just generally, it's one of the few martial arts that you can actually go 100% with somebody and walk away without any kind of injury. <laughs> so, I just got to start with that. It is super key because, if you're if you're looking at a martial art, it's um, has it been turned into a sport? Meaning, um, jujitsu, judo, wrestling—you know—all these things where there's actual competitions to see what works and what doesn't. Uh, you know, Muay Thai, of course, mm-hmm. uh, like Dutch kickboxing. Um, if you're not actually pressure testing it, how could you even have any clue that it's going to work? So, yeah. But I didn't know that you actually uh, had had sights on being an MMA fighter at one point. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm kind of kind of glad I didn't go that way, but other times yeah. I'm like, mm, I could have, should have at least tried to get in there once or twice. <laughs> uh, what would have been your nickname? Oh, I have no idea. Your, your fighter name. Some of the some of the guys I train with just sometimes call me the silent assassin just because I don't talk a lot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean I just get to work, so I, people kind of call me that sometimes. So I don't know though. <laughs> it's kind of weird to give yourself a nickname. Yeah, I don't think you're allowed to. You can't yeah, give yourself. I, well, a nickname. I think you're allowed to, but a lot of times when you come up with one on your own, it's. <laughs> kind of stupid so <laughs> well, i mean like bro code you know you don't you don't make up your own nickname i feel yeah. like it, it's only done by either people who are they just kind of douchey and then can't back it up or the ones who can back it up like you see i'm sure there's going to be someone out there who's like i'm going to name myself i'm the greatest ever like didn't gordon ryan give him give, give him his, himself his own nickname the king isn't he the one who came up with that that like, sounds right. Just like no one's going to fuck factor. with him. Yeah. It could be possible he could have gotten it at a certain event that he won. Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember, but I could have swore that was the case. And it's like, well, no one's going to 
no one's going to call him out on the mat about it and be like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> when you're running through people like crazy, like you, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I just watched a video uh, with him and Bernardo Faria. Um, Bernardo had asked him what he, how he felt about leg locks being allowed in IBJJF tournaments and in, in the gi and the no gi. And basically he was like, you know, I'm down for anything. He's like, it'll, it'll be nice. People will finally know what they're doing. So like it, like when I grapple with them, they'll know what they're supposed to do. <laughs> He's like, you know, I'd, I'd go in and just, I'd just sweep them all in like the nogi pans and stuff because they didn't know what the hell was going on, but I couldn't footlock them. I'd just come up and then choke them. And he's like, now they might know what the hell they're doing. So it'll be a little bit more fun. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Like everybody's kind of jumped on, jumped on board with that regardless of, you know, if, if a certain, uh, you know, rule set doesn't allow for it. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your take on that? I know that you like leg locks. You and I do them all the time to each other. Um, what are your thoughts on the IBJJF allowing, allowing the leg locks now? It's about damn time. Yeah. And this is easily like five years late. So, <laughs> so I think, uh, I think it would probably also help the uh, pure traditionalists who don't have never really, you know, it was just the area of the body that was just never focused on or whatever. So I think yeah. any, of those, any of those traditionalists still holding on to not doing leg locks, I think it, it would get them to come around. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's, it's, it's better for the heart in general. I agree. Do you think that we're going to see th- that uh, there will be a big shift in terms of who, uh, who's at the top, like who, who the new up and coming grapplers are, who the winners are. Like there's been, there's been a good number of people who over the last, you know, say decade, it's been pretty consistent with who's been winning. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think it'll be dramatic. I think it'll be kind of gradual. Yeah. Why do you think that versus like a dramatic immediate shift? Uh, because it's going to take people time to kind of catch up, catch up to like what systems or, or you know, methods are already in place right now, and then to start, you know, expanding on it even more. Yeah, you got, you got you know, there's there's a bunch that are you know ahead of the curve on that and everything. So that curve's got to balance balance out a little bit. Sure. Do you uh, do you foresee some of the um, more traditional world champions, those that tend to have the more like you know the old school games um do you see them updating and apl- employing leg locks more or just kind of stick into what's been working for the last decade and uh just doing what like brian likes to do which is just keep your keep his legs out keep his legs away i've been seeing some of them starting to come around yeah uh, like the barrows um they have their um they have their uh jiu-jitsu library which I, don't, I, I haven't subscribed to or anything. Like I kind of always want to expect. I don't have a ton of time to put into like watching, you know, instructionals and things like that. Uh, but they should they they throw clips on YouTube of it. And so I saw this one where um, the Hiberos had had, uh, had a Luis Pena, I think his name is. Yeah. Is it Philippe? No. 
can't remember. I'd have to, I'd have to look him up. He's, he does have an instructional. Um, Is that the guy that trained with uh, Pedro Forever, his friend? Or am I thinking of somebody think else? It's Luis Herrera. Herrera, thank you. Herrera, yeah. No, Maybe not it's uh, Luis Ponza. Ponza, yeah, that's who it was. Yeah. So they, had, they had Ponza out for a seminar, and then they collected instructionals from it and then put it on their website. It was more just like an advertisement for that, but I saw where, you know, they're, you know, he, of course, he's better with the uh, uh, ankle locks because he's, he's stuck with the IPJJF rule set. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they, they had him, um, got him at the barrel school, and so they got pushed from him. So I know, I know, especially Shande, uh, I know he's, he's been kind of open into it, opening up to it and learning some of that stuff. I've even seen some video of Henzo showing, um, Hickson. Uh, like hooks, steel hooks, steel yeah. hooks. So I mean, I, I, I think it's, you know, I think slowly, you know, people, are, you know, the traditionalists are coming around. Um, some of them, when they're that good, you know, some of them can manage to kind of like stay out of it before it even becomes an issue. But, yeah, you know, we, have, you know, it's hard to see some of that as far as like competition goes because there's not, there's not many, you know. Just because of the way of life and things, we don't see a lot of pe- people who are really com- big competitors staying competitive. And you like a lot of them are in their like forties and fifties now. So right, right, right. They're not, they're not really doing or focusing on competition except for Shondays. Even that he's doing a lot, a lot less. Cyborg and uh, Rafael Lovato. Oh yeah, yeah, he's doing. He's- 38 but they're like they're the only ones that are like in their late 30s or, or and then um uh what's his face his nickname's um megaton um it's Mackenzie dern's dad i don't know why i'm, I'm forgetting his name he's like a it's on diaz but i, I can't remember yeah, his name. that's right diaz, yeah, yeah. He's, he's also like in his i think he's actually in his like 40s and he's he's still competing which is crazy to me he's also brian's size that might help maybe i my assumption is it might help I think it's just a matter of how they manage to take care of their bodies you know because yeah. just look at just where we're at timeline wise from explosion you know to it getting a lot more integrated in the u.s a lot of those guys come from either one the, the gym challenge days mm-hmm. you know or you know they they just have to they just felt they had to prove themselves all the time we're willing to do things to start breaking their body down. They just didn't take, take, you know, they just didn't take, take care of their body that great. Yeah. You know, whereas like now there's a, there's a lot more understanding of it, but you know, I think as far as that goes, we got a long way to go as far as, as far as that goes, because we don't know, uh, especially when, you know, once you're gone a couple generations out, you know, from being in like the U S like, like how are people handling, like doing all this competition, you know, as far as like balancing training, if you're doing extra weight training and stuff on top of like, you know, eating at the gym and everything. So, uh, but yeah, I think we're generally, we're just getting better at it in athletics overall, as far as like learning how to upkeep the body, but yet not minimize overtraining. Right. Right. I, I think we'll see my, my assumption or my hypothesis, let's say is that we'll see, a. Uh, a similar shift to what we've seen with uh, other major sports in that the nutrition and fitness behind the scenes is going to get a lot better. 
and you've already seen it do that. But at the same time, I think you're going to start to that'll because of the sport's growing, it's going to amplify the effects that all of the current old generation are feeling right now. Oh, yeah. People are competing more and maybe it's not as maybe it's different competitions, right? But that doesn't make it any less non gentle. And so it, I imagine, yeah. And it's like, I, I have to, I have to presume that it, on some level, people may be able to compete for longer, but they're still going to see the similar body breakdowns as, you know, other, other professional sports, maybe not as bad as football. Um, like I don't expect a whole bunch, I don't expect a whole bunch of, of, of jujitsu guys to develop CTE in their older age, but um, you know, like as a result of this, unless they're just doing a crap ton of guard, guard jumping and they keep it in their heads. Cause that actually happens. But, um, they did a lot of those gym challenges. <laughs> yeah, right. Most of them thinking like gym challenges get hit in the head a bunch, but, um, yeah, that's, uh, it's interesting. I, so I actually disagree about the, the gradual change. I, I actually, I, 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 uh, what I, what I think will happen and it, uh, it doesn't actually matter to me either way, but what, what I what I see in my head ha- occurring is like this explosion of underground sub only grapplers, like purple to brown belts, even maybe even some blue or black belts, but even maybe some blue belts who've just been running the gamut on all the sub only tournaments and haven't been doing IBJJF because they like leg locks and they're and then they're just going to show up and just wreak havoc on everybody. That, that's what I actually expect to see is, is, is I do expect to see some of that, um, though. I could see that. I, I think it's just going to depend on what, like, what, 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 what school they're in. Yeah. yeah. If they're going to decide to make that jump, then if they're at, like, a real traditional school, then we'll have to start doing, you know, jump to a bunch of other gents to try to get that training. Well, I'm thinking a bunch of, like, 10th Planet guys that, that, that do this kind of stuff. And then. You know the the junior members of the the Danaher Death Squad, or just the 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 Danaher Death Squad in in general, will finally start to win everything at IBJJFs as opposed to ADCC. I can see, uh, but I mean those those are people that are already out there right now. Yeah, but I don't think we're going to start seeing like a, you know any shifts. You know, as far as the names that we're going, like all those names that we see now, and those they're just going to transfer over to IBJJF. And kind I, of see, I, I, I see what you're saying, though. Like, I, I could see that happening too, but I think as far as like you know, getting some start seeing some different names on there with that, I think that's takes some time. It'll be an interesting test between like the old school and the new school, right? Like, I'm actually excited for that. I'm excited to see like some of the more traditional, simple, you know, I, I hate to say simple, but simple players you know they kind of do their one thing and they they do it really well and it's it's very basic but good against some of these more dynamic um leg entry fellas it, it, it'll, it'll be it'll be kind of fun to watch that uh that play out um in the in, you know in the traditional world championship you know in the ibjjfs so that'll be uh it'll be fun to see i i feel like a lot of people are excited for that yeah I, either way it should all be fun <laughs> yeah it's gonna be fun to see how do you um how do you, what are you, what's your take on Gordon Ryan moving to Puerto Rico? <laughs> uh, Gordon Ryan's moving to Puerto Rico? Yeah, he's already there. 
And I thought it was, he was just moving by himself, but apparently a bunch of the main squad moved down there too. And he took John Danaher. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I saw a thing where uh, I just saw Gordon Ryan first and then some pictures started floating around Danaher, you know, looking like a, <laughs> looking like a, like a, like a elderly person on the beach with this freaking huge old <laughs> <laughs> in all, he's like in a black tracksuit. Yeah, <laughs> ninety degree weather in Puerto Rico, with a big hat on, and there's like this Instagram video where he like looks up at the camera and he's like, "Where's the basement?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, so like I guess more than a couple people, you know, not just Gordon Ryan went down there. So I, I don't know it's behind that or if it's just purely just to kind of go work around COVID restrictions or, or the story is from what I understand it's a tax break. <laughs> yeah. So it's a tax break in COVID. I think those are the two main things. I mean, I think, you know, he, he's obviously a pretty loud guy and he's not really, he's not at all afraid to share his opinions. And um, if you follow him on Instagram, he's very upset with just pretty much how all of New York, New Jersey and the country has been, doing things, whatever, COVID-related or otherwise. And uh, so I think he sort of wanted to get away. Um, it's a lot cheaper, obviously, to live in Puerto Rico, and the taxes are way different. You know, they're, he pays less taxes. And, I mean, he's making just shit tons of money. It's, like, absurd how much money he's bringing in on his instructionals. I, I'm sure he's clearing, like, six figures a month. Oh, it, it, well, I mean, I actually know he is because he posted a pay stub about making over a million. And I don't even know if that was per the month or for the year. But I my hope is that it's I mean, it'd be great for him if it was for the month. It just yeah, incredible. Sure he sells a lot. So just, but, that doesn't include endorsements. Or yeah. And I don't blame him for wanting to, you know, not pay as much in taxes. But yeah. um, and then also it's his job. This is his actual job. And so it's like but his job's not essential, apparently. And so what are you going to do? It's like, well, I'm going to move to a beautiful island where it's sunny all the time and keep more of my money and grapple all day. It's like, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. a bad plan at all. You know? yeah. John Danher. So that's, this is like a crazy dream I had, you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that, that'll be an interesting one. Um, I'm actually kind of curious to see because there's a few... It looks like his brother went with him, uh, Ethan Crellenston. Um, I'm not sure if Nikki Rodriguez did. I can't, I don't, I don't really follow it enough to know for sure. So I'm not positive, but, um, I think Gary Tonin is staying here. He does have his own gym, but that doesn't, I mean, he could just, he's got a couple of black belts. He could just have them run the school and he could move, but yeah, but he's kind of focusing on MMA right now. So I kind of think yeah. he needs to stay where the more elite coaches are. Yeah. For striking. So I don't know. Well, we've got Tom DeBlas, who's good. And then, I mean, they're what, three hours from uh, Faras up in Toronto? Or not Toronto. Um, is that where? No, where's he at? Yeah, Toronto. Right, yeah, yeah. Toronto. And so it's not, not that big of a drive, but. Yeah, I mean, he's also got some um, um, Ricardo Almeida. Yeah. You know. Uh, I mean, his school, he, ha he has like elite striking coaches at the school that he's at, which is you know, nearby. Right. Nearby where he's at. So I think it's just in his better interest to stay in that area. But I think he's kind of more in the Jersey area, doesn't he? 
that yeah he's he's got a he's got a school in Jersey. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I know for Almeida he's got freaking Frankie Edgar um, and like a few. That's other, right. Yeah, he does have Frankie Edgar. I forgot about that. Frankie Edgar and there's a few other really elite guys who are in the UFC currently also to train with for striking. So I think that's <laughs> a high, way higher interest to keep him right. there. Probably the place he wants to be. So, speaking of elite coaches and things, um, I'm curious. I, I I know that you've grappled with a whole bunch of different um, like top level grapplers. Like you, I was wondering if you could just uh, kind of speak to some of the people that you have rolled with and what your experiences were. Um, uh, let's see, really elite. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking like maybe, maybe elite might not be the best word, but just well-known individuals who are not only known in the community for teaching, but also for their, their prowess, you know, like, uh, if either Henner or Huron, I can't remember which, I think you've grappled with both. Both are very well-known for their teaching styles and also they're both very good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and I know, I know there's others that I'm blanking on the yeah, moment. I've gone with, uh, with Ryan Lazares, who mm-hmm. is um, coach for um, what's this? Um, either way, Hawaiian guy was the champion. I don't know why I'm blanking on his name right now. I can't remember offhand. Oh, oh, blessed, right? Uh, yeah, Max Holloway. Max Holloway. There that's, okay, that's, yeah. Max Holloway's coach. Um, Make it a little stick. Some Mars. I just feel like I'm so Mars. I didn't get to grapple with them or anything. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just mainly like those three. Actually, surprisingly, I haven't done a ton of uh, like seminars to get around with even a lot more people. I managed to get a pretty good amount in just with what I've done. But yeah. It would probably be pretty surprising the amount of seminars that I've done because it's definitely not as many as probably <laughs> people these days are doing. Probably doing them like every other month, of course, when things are normal. But. Yeah, I think Sean was trying to do at least one a month, if not more. Um, I know personally, but he's a he's a fanatic, so he's a, he's a little. He, he loves doing this learn. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't have the, I couldn't afford the time sure. to actually like do it. Of course, things are a little different now. So, I mean, that could probably change. But, um, yeah, I was, yeah, I, I, I'm always down to learn anything, especially like we can ask people to show how they do the same thing. And a lot of times you get a lot of different answers. But, yeah. Uh, I managed to kind of pretty, pretty organically put things together for myself, and I found even a long time ago, I, like just before I was like purple belt, I, I just had this uncanny, uncanny knack for just remembering details, even at a step for coming from a seminar where you're getting flooded with information and everything. And kind of now it's like at the point where it's like I would just either need to see something like I completely have never seen before, or now it's just kind of more about how can I add more little details to improve efficiency? Right, right. I'm not, I'm not seeing a heck of a lot that's going to completely change, that would completely change my game at this point. Sure. 
I still try to look at everything now because I want to, you know, I want to see what's going on out there, see what people are developing with and everything. But a lot of it now is just a lot more of those smaller details that make the world a difference. Yeah. Trino, I got a question for you. Um, other than general self-defense, uh, how has jujitsu impacted your life, either positively or negatively? That was impressive. <laughs> um, I have nothing but positive, man. Like it's, um, I definitely get it from a like, mental health aspect, you know, physical and you know, physiologic aspects. Um, I can't tell enough of the, the mental stuff though, because I mean, it's it's gotten me through some pretty tough times. Um, you know, and I'm like, really, if I didn't have that, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what, where, probably where I'd be at right now. You know, if I didn't have that, and just definitely as far as just taking the general edge off, it's one of the very few things that can, that does it for me these days. <laughs> you know, I mean, I still, I still have always supplemented by, you know, lifting weights and everything, but, you know, for me, it's just something specific to do and get done. Uh, it's, it, it used to have, it used to have that metal benefit for me like before like I started doing martial arts and stuff, but it, it doesn't doesn't take that off the same way like grappling is. <laughs> here, here, another vote for Matt Therapy. Yeah, Matt Therapy, man. I don't know if anything well, there's definitely a lot a lot of things within jujitsu to take and carry over to life, but you know, you also have to live life to be able to translate that type of stuff. If you just live in the gym then you're not you're just doing everything on your terms, you know, everything you could talk about, like, oh, getting out of your comfort zone and, you know, as being like a live, you know, live fast-paced chess match. It doesn't mean anything if you're not living life to actually apply those things. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. That's a good point. So I'm curious um, if you could kind of give a breakdown of your your personal philosophy on jujitsu. Like, what what is it that you... How do you look at jujitsu? How do you attempt to apply it? What what's kind of walk me through your your method, the method to your madness? Um, I just try to be the best student that I can possibly be. Right. I, I know where I'm at. I'm definitely not the best, and there's still a lot to learn. Uh, you know, so I just try to be the best student that I can possibly be, and focus on tech, you know, technique. You know, all the little things that make the world a difference. That's what I kind of like to focus on because it's harder to call it or be referred to as like the invisible jujitsu stuff. Sure. But yeah, between that and, and like the concepts and everything. Um, but you know, you have to understand the technique for the most part is going to conquer all. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, so I definitely try to focus on, you know, how can we apply these things in all different aspects of the game, along with keeping uh, self-defense in mind, too, because, you know, being realistically, you know, there's just certain things you're not going to want to do. Um, but I, I kind of stress to keep that in mind with doing everything, not play like, play all the time, like I have all the time in the world to be on my back, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. You know, if I'm in real life, I don't care how much I can keep somebody in my guard. It's not going to be great to sit on my back with punches, you know, or kicks flying at my face. You know, that's, I mean, yeah, I definitely try to keep all this in mind with the self-defense because I'm not going to 
try to keep things that are not realistic to that and make those things happen because I want to consider all the striking aspects of everything that, you know, incorporate that with everything that I do. That's actually one of the things I really appreciate about your classes that you teach is that um, you're very big on trying to keep it as functional outside of the gym as possible. Right. It's, you know, you have to be, you know, we'll do something and it's like, well, hey, if they don't have a jacket, there's no gi to grab. So it's better to grab wrists. You know, if if you do this or that, like you got to watch out, you can't just do a, do make a movement. You're just going to get punched in the dick like that's not, you know, you got to watch out for that because it, it, you may be. You a, yeah. You know, and it's like that that that's okay to do in the gym because no one's going to punch you. But if you're in the street, you know, you're just going to get, you're just going to get a fist and it's going to suck. And so, um, I actually, I actually started doing that sort of thing with kids classes specifically from taking classes with you because I enjoyed it. And so I don't think I've ever told you that. This might be the first time I've ever told you that. <laughs> um, no, of course it, it made me kind of realize that like, as fun as learning a lot of things are, um, I actually personally prefer to keep things super simple. And so like, I like learning new things, but I'm all about as ba being as basic as I possibly can. And, um, but I realized that like most of the stuff I might try and do and just screw off and do with you guys, both of you guys or with Sean or with Brian, kids are going to have a hard time learning first off, and they're probably not going to make it work. And they might get hurt. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not trying to show them, you know, X card entries, you know, entries into, you know, a 411 from X card. Like I just said, I just don't see any reason to try and mess around with that. They can barely do like the double ankle sweep. Right. Right. And so it's like, I, <laughs> I'd rather just let them real, you know, show them like, Hey, like if you're on your back like that, you're like, you're just going to get kicked in the face. So yeah, you, gotta, I, you gotta be careful, you know? Yeah, yeah, I try I try to incorporate that too. And, you know, I just try to uh, try to do the best I can to kind of give you all my you know and the knowledge that I best understand it. I try to keep it simple too. But I also like to remind you, like, hey, there's there's a reason that we're we're doing this. Mm -hmm. right? And if I'm thinking realistically. It's going to be extremely rare if you were to get into a confrontation where you start, where you can realize, oh crap, this person probably knows a good amount or possibly as much as I do or more. <laughs> you know, that's probably not really going to happen. So, and you know, things can get very cheap in the real world. You know, There's yeah. somebody, a homie that you know you didn't even consider, or things just happened too quick, you didn't pick up on it. You know, like I just try to, you know make people understand that, that there's there's a reality to this or why why we were doing this yeah who is your jujitsu hero well I, there's a bunch of them <laughs> I, I i think probably the top two that probably stand out for me right now would be uh Habib and um uh, damien maya Okay. Just because they're, you know, well, one, Habib is just phenomenal. He's, of course, you know, but I mean, he's also showing us an adapted system, uh, you know, for something. And he's showing a bunch of things that I, I, 
yeah, I think should, should people should be incorporating these days, you know, along with, you know, having, a, you know, a great pure jujitsu game that like he's incorporating those things like, like that, that heavy top pressure that, you know, I, that I don't see like a ton of on like the competitive level, you know, unless they're from, you know, like, like older, you know, older schools such as like Barrows. Yeah. Barrows and things like that. And then there's just Damian Maya, you know, he's just, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's a good jujitsu representative, you know, he's a, he's a great guy and he's improving things at the highest level. And you, you just got to respect that, you know, so you, anybody who, you know, what's coming and yet you still can't stop it. <laughs> right, yeah. Really. I'm curious. Um, Cause you mentioned Damian Maya. What do you think it is about him specifically that is translated so well to MMA from his jujitsu? And I know he did a little bit of, he did some judo as well, but um, from, from those roots, because there's been other grapple, there's been other jujitsu grapplers who have done okay. And some who haven't done very well at all, or just stopped. Um, and so, and I don't know that, I don't know enough if, if it's like a hit and miss or if it most fail Roughly, about, I think it was about probably roughly about ten years. Ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he started, you know, because he comes from pure you know, jujitsu or the gi, you know, yeah. doing the gi. And so what I what he did was he started focusing on adapting his techniques to work in MMA. Yeah, you know, and so he just put the work in, and you know, what came out was what you know what we see now. Well, and the reason I'm asking too is because, like, I, I'm thinking of like someone like uh, Hadra Gracie or like Marcelo Garcia, both of whom had, from what I understand, fairly short MMA careers. Um, and I don't know if either were, were were well known for their MMA careers, but they're both. I, I would, I think, there's definitely a case to be made, say, for those two that they're both better jujitsu grapplers. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I think just their 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 the reason they probably didn't quite have the success is that they they just I don't I just don't I just this is just speculation. I don't know for sure. sure, but from from what from my perspective, what I saw is that they just didn't put enough time into the striking. Got it. Okay, and that's kind of what I was thinking too. And I know that Damian Maya put in a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, he put. Crap ton of time, you know. Yeah. He fought different weight class, you know. He fought. I don't, I don't. I don't know if you pay attention, but I know Dan. You probably remember. I mean, he at one time fought Anderson Silva for that one eighty five pound belt. Yep, that's crazy. You know, but I mean, back then, like his, his. I I, I would say striking is still it, striking is definitely improved, but it's still pretty elementary compared to that. But I mean, it, it's you still got to admire it for being impressive to be able to adapt enough to, to make it work for your jiu-jitsu right 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 i actually saw i saw a um that kind of reminds me a bit get a, a bit of gary tonin um because i know he's been doing it he's been working quite a bit on his striking as well and um i saw like a like an instagram like comment a bunch of comments on an instagram post and it was basically just a bunch of people um chiding gary tonin for um, 
trying to grapple. Basically, they were telling me he needs to work on his grappling. He should just stick with his striking because his grappling's bad. After this last match a couple days ago, they're like, I don't know why you stopped like <laughs> punching. Like you, you were doing well, and then you tr- you had like no submissions. They were all soft. Like you just need to work more. You just need to keep doing your striking. It's what you're good at. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of uneducated fans, and people were like, "He's like one of the best grapplers in the world right now." <laughs> I, dude, I gotta think they just gotta be trolling or something. Cause I I saw that yeah. fight yesterday, as a matter That's of fact. For comments. <laughs> yeah, but it was like multiples that I like. It could have definitely. I mean, it, half of half of Instagram and Twitter are trolls, at least half. And so it it just made me chuckle. It was like if there are people out there who um, who think that he must be doing a pretty good job with his striking. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, I haven't. I haven't Trina, seen. Trina, did you see, see the, the fight, fight he's referring to? Yet, so. No, no, I haven't got a chance to watch it. Oh man, it was it was very interesting. He was uh, fighting a Japanese fellow. I, I just and, saw the post fight um, cringeworthy uh, <laughs> uh, kind of um, post fight win uh, talk there. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that part. I, I already cut oh, it. You try to be like he was in like Game of Thrones or something. It's it hilarious. Oh, ew. Ah, okay. Well, He's no, his, his striking uh, leaves a bit to be desired. Does it? <laughs> the most impressive thing was uh, the other guy, how well he defended. Because uh, Gary had a ton of control time. He was threatening a rear naked for collectively like seven or eight minutes straight. I mean, he was on this dude's back going for it. And the guy managed to survive that. That to me, that was the most impressive takeaway. Uh, super impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, his striking. Ooh, I see, he's been pull some stuff off though. I mean, he has what, like four or five knockouts on his record. Oh yeah. If you get a chance to see the fight, you'll see what I'm talking about. And and partially, yeah. It almost seemed like he was uh, trying to go the guy into taking him down because he was like throwing out these kicks that were super lazy and just kind of hanging him there like he was just inviting the guy to grab his leg and, and they can get to work. But uh, yeah, but, you know, room to approve. That's not bad. But I mean, let's look at, look, look at the one who competed the longest, Kenzo. Kenzo competed yeah. for like 20 years. Yep. In MMA. yep. Was really pretty successful. Only times he really wasn't is that you could tell he wasn't really working on striking. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm also I'm curious. This is a bit of a a subject change, but uh, have you ever been an enforcer in a gym? (laughs) I I listened to your other chats. Uh, No, no, I haven't had to be. Yeah, actually. Yeah, so uh, I actually forgot to ask Brian that. Um, I can tell you that answer right now, and that's no. no. <laughs> <laughs> if you see somebody that needs enforcing, he sends somebody else to do. <laughs> so I kind of figured that. Um, I didn't. I didn't talk about this with with, with Sean um, when he was on. But uh, a couple of years ago, we were at um, some event. Hadley, her, her and her family, they put on that. Uh, like they do, like a because they're real estate agents. They do that Christmas party on a boat, and so I went to that you know, like two years ago, I think. And um, I ended up driving Brian and Whitney home because they'd taken a, an Uber up, and you know they they live like right up by me. And so I was like, yeah, no worries. And um, 
we were chatting about stuff on the way back to the car and I, this this actually came up and I and I had asked him about that and he's like no whenever he's like I you know it's one of the reasons I'm bummed that Sean left the gym is that whenever I needed someone to like and be an enforcer like I just asked Sean to, I just looked at Sean and Sean did it he's like I don't want to have to do anything <laughs> he's like I don't want to I don't want to have to be mean and I'm like I don't doesn't surprise me, Brian, though. I feel like he could do it. I like he has he, he's good enough. Like he's you could, you could do it by someone actually physically doing it or you could be, you know, you could just be extremely stern and set, draw the line on the sand, too. Right. Yeah. Which also myself. wasn't really his style. <laughs> no, neither. Neither. <laughs> I was. But I, I asked because I was actually just curious if um brian had ever asked you to do that before or justin i suppose and justin angelos uh before um um you, you left from there but uh it's quite a rarity when somebody like that comes to the door yeah i know we we as a gym have had it a few once or twice over the last few years like five or six years that i can think of yeah uh, i think that's practically it because yeah can't. it's it's not not very not very often, but yeah, I um, I definitely was curious about that because like both you and Brian in particular are the two people that I would not expect to like be asked to or to just like take on the role of an enforcer, just with how your personalities are. You're both very laid back and quiet and and nice, which isn't to say that Sean isn't. Um, but he sounds great, guys. <laughs> but he has much more of the personality of like I'm just gonna you know kind of put you where you belong. You're you're being an ass. I'm gonna show you what it's like. Whereas I feel like you would just want to play, and Brian would just want to go home. <laughs> he's like, I just don't want to deal with this. I don't. <laughs> no, I mean, these days these be different. It's just kind of depends on what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were able to manage roles. roles like not hurt somebody, you know, I might jump in, but like the minute somebody's or somebody's even close, like in hurt, like, yeah, that, that's where my fuse is extremely short. Yeah. I, I thankfully, I haven't, none of the situations that I know came about actually came about when I was in the gym. I was, you know, attending, I didn't happen to be in those days. Um, so I've actually never experienced that myself. I'm partly glad for that. Um, I don't want to be in a situation where someone decides to just walk in and be a dick because they can. But I that... almost had to take that role. Speaking of which, um, Brian ended up diffusing the situation. But, oh, do uh, tell. Uh, yeah, some it would do a night class, of course, and uh, some drunk guy came in off the street. Oh, I heard. That's a. Yeah. Dude, like this shit tends to happen when I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was trying to pick a fight and he was saying he used to wrestle and you know we're all pussies and stuff like that. And I was just standing there looking at Brian because I mean I, you know he's he's the one running to school, so I'm not gonna jump on this guy right now. I was just kind of looking at look at the guy, look at Brian, look at the guy, like are we doing this or what? And Brian managed to defuse the situation. Um <laughs> Of course, he but did. yeah, I, I at the at the time uh, for who was in the class, I was the highest belt. So I was like, "Oh shit, I I think I might have to whoop on this guy a little bit." <laughs> but he got rid of him. So Fun time to unload. <laughs> yeah. I will say this for Brian though, like that that is, that is a gift that he has of diffusing situations. Yep, and, yep. Uh, well, I mean, that's it's his personality. He's, he's, yeah, he's I mean, it, language. 
you're typically gonna get that from people who are laid back like him or I. Like, like, yeah. like I think honestly, for the most part, I could defuse something before it happens. But right. I, I am also, I'm also huge on just the awareness of the situation too. Yeah. So like, I'm like, just even when I'm just out and about, like I'm looking at everything, you know, looking see what kind of people are there, you know. So I can, I love. As much as you believe into it, like I'm in, I'm empathic, right? I, I've had people take advantage of my kindness, right. weakness, and stuff like that. But I can also walk into a room and feel a vibe. Yeah. Like right off of that, like I, I know, like I can walk into a room and go, like after a couple minutes, I go, we shouldn't be here. Yeah. Right? Like we have to gift. We, we, yeah, it is a gift, and, and I, I can walk in somewhere, or even just if I be around a person, person for a few minutes, I can get their vibe, and I'm like, mm, that's not somebody who should be hanging around here at least, you know, or like in the future period too. Well, we're at an hour on the podcast. So this must be a good thing for Dan and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> But yeah, like, I definitely had pieces of situations when I was younger, like where I got that. And even like one of the people that did it ended up um, not too long afterward getting getting busted for uh, beating the hell of an elderly person who probably like, they ended up going to jail. Jesus. Yeah. Um... So I trust that intuition. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you, man. Yeah, one of the things that Brian's actually talked about. And I've heard other older school, I think Pedro's talks about this quite a bit as well in particular, but oh, yeah. um, is about the whole, one of the whole point points of like learning jujitsu and isn't to fight, it's to diffuse fights. Right. So the actual jujitsu is not doing jujitsu. It's not having a fight at all. Um, it, the, the Henner and Heron might even talk about this a bunch too. I just remember, uh, uh, um, Brian talking about it a bunch and, 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 and uh, Pedro Sauer talking about it a bunch. But so it's interesting that you see like Brian so much embodies that uh, what seems to me to be a more old school mentality. I don't know if, uh, um, you know, new generation black belts and teachers and, and instructors teach that sort of thing. But it's funny to me that uh, that's kind of what they were trying to do is diffuse situations using their jujitsu and just really confidence. Um, but it, it's like, it's like the exact epitome of like Brian's personality just like melds so seamlessly into that. It's like, yeah, jujitsu really well, you know, especially for his size. Cause he's, you know, he's not a big guy, yeah. but he's like, I would just rather never do it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to, but you know, if somebody wants to bring it, I mean, but I mean, there, there's definitely lots of things you can do. You know, you can be aggressive initially, too, and then, and then you can be a strong point, like, all right, we had enough, yeah. and you want to keep this going. You know, you, you as the advanced practitioner definitely have, uh, or more often than not, you have the control and say-so. Yeah. So it's definitely up to the practitioner, but I mean, as far as that being spread, I definitely think that's probably a lineage thing, and also whether that's cool the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what really you know emphasizes any kind of self-defense. Yeah, well, a lot of them are just pure sport, so I mean, it's hard, hard to say. I imagine too, with the lineage issue, like if if the kinds of things we're talking about are taught more often 
you know, or talked about more often in the schools, you're I, I would assume you're less likely, you're going to have less numbers of guys and gals who are going to be in those situations. Like they're the ones who would, they're not going to be the ones who would create those situations. Right. Yeah, definitely, definitely not. And so like we have a very laid back gym in part, mostly because of how Brian is because he's very laid back just personality wise, but also with his jujitsu. And so it's, it's hard for people to come in and have that gung ho mentality and stick around because they just don't fit, you know, especially if they're douches about it. Like there's nothing wrong with someone who's comes in and is like athletic, you know, Tyler blue belt. Tyler's like that. Like he's like younger. He's like 10 years younger than everyone and super athletic, you know? And so like, that's great for, I'm like the, I think I'm like the, the one, I definitely the one out of the three of us, but I think I'm one of the only adults. that's like the nearest his age. He's like 20, 23, <laughs> yeah, 32. So like, I'm the, I'm like the nearest one. In age. Dan is ancient. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, and so thankfully he's like a nice kid. So he's not running around trying to just beat the shit out of everyone. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it's tough. I, I think, uh, um, to be in that kind of, in that kind of gym, if that's your mentality or what, what is it? Um, Eddie Bravo says, he's like, you know, jujitsu is a filter for douchebags. Yeah. I think that's actually quite true. Unless all those douchebags go to like one gym. Because <laughs> 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 if they still want to trade jujitsu. Possibility that a bunch of people can share that same mentality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, well, no then one... you get a successful fight gym. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How right. Exactly. <laughs> so i'm curious now this is another subject change but uh i have like 80 questions i gotta get to um we won't get to nearly any of nearly all of them today but i'm curious what is if you could have if you could only do one submission for the rest of your life you only get one what would it be? I feel like both of you know the answer. No, uh, I just think it's a funny question. <laughs> why? Why is it? Why is it funny? One submission to I don't know because it's it's the combination and options I think that make it so beautiful. But no, it's it's a fair question. It just struck me funny. Well, no, I, I get where you're coming from, but I think everybody has one they favor, right? Yeah. yeah. So for me, mine would be head and arm, head and arm, all day, every day. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but I mean, it's also one you could do from multiple positions too, right? It's sure. not just—it's not just set to one one position, right? That you, that yeah. you do that from like multiple positions in different ways. So, but that's that's my favorite. That's the one I believe in. See, I like that answer. I didn't want to call Brian out because he's my instructor. But when I asked him, he said he wanted he would just choke people, and I thought that was kind of a cop out because there's a lot of different ways to choke people. Like that's that's a little unfair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think that that was that was. It's like you know, what would be your preferred way to like go to war? Like, I want a gun. It's like, well, there's a lot of guns. You know, like does it does it really? <laughs> what gun? <laughs> Gotta be a little more specific. Yeah, it's. Like, <laughs> I would want to. I would break a limb. That, that, that that's my that's that's my submission. I want to break a limb. <laughs> you should know, say favorite submission, but uh... yeah. <laughs> But, uh, 
I like the head and arm. Um, I'm actually so I, I I knew you were gonna choose that one personally. Um, yeah, see, I knew you knew. <laughs> but so I <laughs> say what? I said I knew at least one of you knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew. Um, so with the head and arm, are you differentiating between it and say like the uh, the Darce or the Anaconda, or are you kind of looking at it like break that down for me? Uh, it could be really be either way. But I mean, like you can get, you can get a head and arm choke from guard. You can get it from yeah. mouse. You know, you can get it from the bottom right. of side control. Side control. Even, you know, yeah, of course, and then you know, head and arm guillotine. One of my personal favorites, there too. But I mean, it's it's not ex- it, that 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 would be my general favorite way. But I'm a fan of all head and arms, including the Darce and Anaconda. <laughs> yeah. Why the um, head and arm over what I'm, I'm sure Brian would argue are simpler chokes? Sure, sure. Um, I just I favor that one because one it is a full body choke, mm-hmm. so it's not one I have to rely on just pure like you know arm endurance you know, or anything like that. You know, I. I I can make it get those while also fully controlling the person the whole time also. Yeah. So that's another tick off, uh, off of that. And that is just a choke. You can't, you can only be so tough on a choke. Everybody sleeps. Yeah. I think I would, uh, same. Right. (laughs) This wouldn't be my, the only submission I'd ever want to have, but, um, I actually ex- what I expected Brian to say because he has like a, a unique guillotine, yeah. And it's like he basically like takes the he like does it with the thumb, yeah. Versus like the the wrist, you know, and it's it's just basically straight up into the into the trachea, and it's 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 fucking horrible. Um, and you can do that from the back too. You just, yeah. <laughs> just karate chop somebody in the neck. Just do it. Just finger. Just like, finger. Yeah, he likes the finger, you know. And I actually expected him to say that because I remember asking him, I'm like, you know, the way he has to do it, the way he does it, he basically gets into, you know, from, say, uh, um, top of turtle or like the front headlock. He basically gets into a catcher's position to do it. And then he'll like push the head into the, the chin, into the chest and it comes on and he's tiny. And I'm like, I don't see how he doesn't get like rolled over by, so, you know, someone bigger like all of us. And so I was I was actually shocked like that he didn't pick like something a little bit more substantial that he could like hang on to. And he's like, I, I do it because it's the quickest one to get. He's like, this is why I don't do rear naked chokes is because the straight choke is way faster. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, like, I don't have time to get my arm all the way around someone's neck. I'm just going to grab and just go. That's kind of an answer. His answer was what kind of what I expected him to say. But I am surprised he did not say arm bar because that, that is probably his number one submission. <laughs> yeah. But he, he, I think he mentioned that he only started doing arm bars because that's what people gave him. So he was just like, that's, that's where people's hands are. He's like, so I just do that. He's like, I just like, I'd prefer to choke people, but. Yeah, he could say that, but he is phenomenal with arm bars. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. He is probably one of the best arm bars. And, you know, and a lot of most people I've worked with. <laughs> I'd like to see him compete. I've never actually seen him compete. I'd like to see see him kind of put in, you know, put in some good time, 
you know, get, get competition ready and then go to like the Rev or Naga or something and compete with people 15 years younger than him and see. <laughs> I would like to see that too at this point, though. I could guarantee you that's never going to happen. I know he's competed before a couple of times and he's done pretty well, but um, if you, you had a little more time to hound before kids, it could have been possible. Now, now he's got two of them, and um, yeah. yeah, he's just too busy now. <laughs> well, hey, before we get away from uh, favorite submissions, I got to give a shout out to the Hicks and Choke. The Hicks and Choke is probably the most demoralizing that I've ever seen. And it's, uh, it's, it's rear naked, but the setup is what makes it so magical. Uh, you start from a gift wrap, force a person to roll over mm-hmm. so that they're laying on both hands <laughs> as you belly them out and their neck is just hanging out. Oh yeah. That's not a thing they can do about it. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a way to die. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, I'm going to tell another story to throw Brian under the bus. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so sorry, Brian, if you're listening. Um, so Brian's done this choke to me. Uh, my instructor, who is not an asshole, has done this joke, choke to me, and it's horrible. And <laughs> after the choke, <laughs> you know, because like my back popped, like I, he like popped my spine, like not badly, but it's you know, it's like you could just feel the pops. Yeah, free adjustment. <laughs> yeah, I got free adjustment, and he also had me in a body lock when he did it. Oh, wow. he actually got you. Yeah. yeah. So this is that's what he told me afterwards. There was no like, are you OK? Or like, sorry, that was terrible. I don't know why I did that to you. Like, I think I was I was a blue belt at the time. I just got my blue belt. But I was like, you know, he didn't apologize. Like, I'm so sorry. New blue belt for like being an asshole and like just demoralizing the shit out of you. He was like, wow, you're the first person I've ever been able to body triangle. <laughs> I say, I've never seen a <laughs> <body> lock in. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Not only did you body triangle me, but you hipped into me. So my back popped. I got a free adjustment. You like rolled my wrist over my, oh, like over themselves because you had the gift wrap, like the whole. And then like they went into my chest. There was a compression issue. And then you choked me and I couldn't tap. I had to like tap with my foot. I think I stubbed my toe doing it. <laughs> it just a horrible so- sequence of events. <laughs> exactly. That's my favorite. And I was like, like, like hate me? Like, <laughs> he's just like, let's go again. Let's go for another round. And he's like, magical. <laughs> yeah. And he was just like super happy about getting the body lock. And, yeah. you know, he's like the nicest person and there's like no malice at all. Like, I know he doesn't, he's not trying to be a jerk. And I actually, but at the afterwards, I was like, maybe I've just read him wrong. Maybe he's like secretly like a really mean person. <laughs> Yeah, you probably just caught him on a good whim. <laughs> yeah, I think he just he got the body lock and was like, "Well, I don't want to get let this go." And this is like what worse is this is what's going to happen. Like, yeah. this is the easiest thing to do. I got shorter legs. I can barely get it on anybody. I can only get it on people with like small waists, which yeah. doesn't happen that often. <laughs> like, yeah, you've also gotten me in a body lock, and it's horrible. I've heard people um, say you should be able to do it on anybody, but I beg to differ. <laughs> if there are anatomical realities to take into I feel like the only people that say that are people that are big, like 6'2 or bigger. <laughs> yeah. You have an unfair advantage right off the gate. Uh, that's not fair. <laughs> I have uh, I have a in, like a jujitsu dummy, a grappling dummy that you like, I, like stuffed and filled it. Um, and I have a hard time getting a body lock on that thing. Oh, <laughs> like 
so I don't like, and I actually have short legs for my height. I, I've, I'm like 53% torso or something. My doc like measured it once and told me like, I, I'm much more torso proportioned than um, leg proportioned. Yeah. And uh, so it, arms, but shorter legs. yeah. And so, so it's tough, but like I have, I have trouble with a stuffed dummy that like I can just squeeze, I, I can squeeze the thing flat because it like, even though it's, I stuffed it pretty well, like it's, it's a dummy and I still have trouble with it. And it's like, I don't, it's crap. Whoever, you're right, Trina. Whoever says you can buy triangle anyway is wrong. Right. <laughs> Plus, there's no way that I'm, there's no way that I'm body triangling like Ken, as an example, um, who, who's a, who's a, he's got himself a little bit of a, a, a big belly. Um, I might be able to, Dan, you're thin enough. I might be able to body triangle you. I think you can body lock him. Yeah. But, um, and then maybe like maybe Brian and Sean, but I also have like 40 pounds on them. So, well, not anymore. I only have about 20 pounds, but. Um. <laughs> well, here's an example proving your point, Bo. I rolled a guy once and I'm, you know, I'm skinny, so I can usually lock people up pretty good. I couldn't even close my guard around this dude. Some people are just big. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very true. Yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, you kind of do like a modified one, you know, for ones that where it's kind of close, but even then it's like you can't, it's not possible to get everybody. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. So Those I, are the same people that say size doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Weight classes are there for a reason. Come yeah, on. Right, exactly. <laughs> Biology exists. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't ignore anatomy. <laughs> So player onions can be a little different of the world there. Yeah, right. You you remember Gavin, right? Yep. My goodness. Now he, he was pretty big, but I'm curious who the strongest person you've ever rolled with is, and why is it Gavin, <laughs> and not somebody else? <laughs> you know, I've I've rolled with plenty of bigger people. Um, we did have a guy at our gym for a while, Ryan, who, who, who been, even, even a while, a few years back, but uh, like he had played college football. Yeah. Like, like you knew his size. I'm pretty sure he could have picked me up if he wanted to, but I've never had anybody like Gavin, like Gavin's figure. Like when you look at Gavin, you're like, all right, you're in shape, but he, he, you know what's going on. But yeah, he has that. Well, for him, it's both strengths, but I mean, I would compare that to that that farm strength. Yeah, it's just like holy crap! Like, because he straight picked me up before off the floor. <laughs> I like, never had anybody do it that easy on me. <laughs> right, yeah. It's... Now Brian had mentioned when he came in, he was like two forty or something, and then he dropped down to like one ninety five. Yeah, he, so... even when he first came in two forty, he didn't look two forty. No, that, see, I thought he was like two fifteen, like because he he was always in good shape, but he yeah. he looked small for being like six two. Like he didn't he when he came in at because he he's pretty tall, but when he came in, he was like in shape enough to where I was like he's kind of I almost thought he was kind of skinny. Um, and then you, then you grapple with him and you're like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. and, and Andrew reminds me of that too because he has those like those absurd hand strength from working on cars his whole life. Like he's just. His grip is just yeah. real. Yeah. Highly unexpected. <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, because he's, he's lanky. <laughs> so. He's super lanky. I, I heard he actually, because he got hurt quite a bit. Um, and I heard that before he got hurt, he was actually quite uh, quite good. Like, he was good competing. Competing-wise, he was quite good. And I mean, I've rolled with him quite a bit at time. It's hard. All the times I ever rolled with him, most of the times, um, was when I was a white belt. And it was before he really hurt himself because I think he, he crushed his hand and then he like fractured his like chest plate. Yeah, something. Yeah. Starting up ribs or something. Whoa. Yeah, and I grappled with him as a white belt before all that. And so like it's hard for me to say how good he was because he's got 50 pounds on me and is a purple belt. So like I didn't do anything. Um, but I remember uh, and then yeah, the last time I only gotten quick glimpses of it no <laughs> no like i mean because he 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 was the one who introduced me to um to body locks and belly down rear naked chokes because he did that to me as well oh, um, <laughs> and uh that, that that's just the move everyone likes to do to Bo. <laughs> <laughs> i actually think that both of you have done this move to me as do well we like, it's it's on you, but, uh, you've definitely You've definitely you've definitely done belly down rear naked choke before, and right. I actually I'm pretty sure you have done a body lock rear naked on me, Dan. Um, I may or may not have had the body lock. I think I would remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to me too many times. Like it just after the, like the first two, I just don't even. Oh, this <laughs> again! <laughs> I just don't even remember. It's just it's all a blur. <laughs> So, <laughs> all the trauma. <laughs> so, I'm curious. We've talked about your favorite submission. What's your favorite position and why? I, my, I think my favorite position is side control because I think it, it's so open, you know, that it, it can lead to a number of different different pathways mm-hmm. you know, you know side control you can purely submit somebody from side or you know just from just straight up side control you know you can make them go to their side you make them roll them away from you so then you got top side yeah you know and so you know where they can do stuff just like turtle from there you know yeah you, you can you can lead basically practically wherever you want it to go from there. but I, I you know it's a wide open game from side control. I like it. And my last question, and then I'll uh, let Dan ask some questions if he's got any is I'm curious, since we're talking about um, doing horrible submissions to me, what's the worst beating you've ever taken in jujitsu and who, who, yeah. And who was it by? And can I have their number so that I can learn from them so that I can, <laughs> for all the beatings that you <laughs> actually i think they um the former student we had a while ago ryan would be the one to uh uh wouldn't have done that because he like because like not too long before he like kind of started getting into the ankle locks and stuff like that so, uh, yeah i my knowledge is pretty limited at that time so he kind of demoralized me a few times like doing that but just <laughs> your sheer size too there's a lot to me to deal with especially somebody who has just that foundational strength from playing college football yeah. and it, it always really surprised me and that's kind of like what opened up my eyes to like 
making some shifts in things because like a, a small movement from him felt like a lot. Yeah. So, but I mean, he's also, he also is responsible for a couple of injuries I had too that were like unexpected. <laughs> Blue belt James reminds me of that as well. Like that he's got that foundational strength and like stability and just balance. And this is from wrestling for his whole life, but, and he's a, he's not a small guy, you know, he's, a buck 90 or so, but he's, he's pretty thick, but like any, any small movement from him. And it's like, you just feel it in your whole body. Yeah. him. It wasn't surprising with Ryan. Like I would be surprised pretty frequently. (laughs) Yeah. What was the the difference for you? Uh, I've never actually met Ryan or grappled with him. So it's just, just the size. Like he was easily like six, two, six, three, but I mean, he was like a tree trunk. Yeah. Yeah, especially you know, especially with the torso too. So it's like I like you know, when I mounted him, like my knees didn't even touch the floor. <laughs> you know, or, or or I had to shift so at least one knee was touching the floor. <laughs> you know? And he wasn't fat. He wasn't fat. He he was just that football player thick. <laughs> yeah, I I've only ever had that happen. With David Gray, but but DG, you know he he's a he's a he's a big he's a big boy, so he's he's got a big belly, and so um and I got short legs, so <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he 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 kind of had strength he didn't expect too. Yeah, he did. He 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 liked to do as technique wise with me, but there were other times he'd do something like, oh okay okay. <laughs> he'd pull it out every now and again, and you'd be like, you need to do this more often, DG, like. Quit trying to get, you know, Americanas from the bottom and come up and like and, and, and utilize, you know, because he he liked he he was old man jujitsu. He liked to kind of lay and just work from the bottom. And once he got on top, you know, he's two seventy, so you're not moving him. Right. And then he could do his magic, and it's like you know you, you couldn't. He he was pretty quick. He hit some moves. <laughs> I got a question for you, Trino. Um, how would you characterize your A game? Uh, I guess by following what you mean, I'm just heavy top pressure. Okay. Do you got a path that you like uh, that you rely on it that you're most comfortable with? I mean, you know, heavy top pressure and then setting up a head and arm kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that'd be my favorite way to go, but I, I, I tend, I, I try to work the pressure from the headquarters position. Okay. For people that don't know, that's where somebody's on their back and you get one, one foot in between their legs and one foot on the out to the outside, uh, to the outside of their legs and try to work from there. Uh, but uh, I, I basically just try to bring a pressure style, and I just, I just kind of let, uh, I take whatever I'm getting. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't try to do one specific thing over and over and over again. For the most part, I mean, unless I'm trying to work something specifically. But for you know, in like a general, I don't know anything about you. I'm just going to try to bring the pressure and just take whatever you open up and give me. I have a, a follow-up question to that. I'm wondering if this is a, this is like a self-critique question, because um, 
Mark is all about top pressure as well, but your top pressure and Mark's top pressure are very different. And I'm curious because you've obviously rolled with Mark before. Um, if you could explain, if you know the difference between the type of pressure that he brings and the type of pressure you bring. His pressure, I would call more like focal or pinpoint pressure. Mm-hmm. Whereas like mine, it's right like a wet blanket. Okay. That's, that's what I was going to say. And so I, um, I, that's exactly how I, it's how it feels. Yeah. I, I mean, I do the, I do the, the pinpoint pressure when it's, when that's it's necessary, yeah. but I try to, I do my best to try to make my opponent try to deal with all of my weight. Yeah. And kind of what you had said, Dan, is what made me think of that is because, um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, crap, whatever the case. Yes, I agree about the wet blanket because <laughs> I, t- I totally just brain farted. But um, because oftentimes you'll, as you grapple, I find that you don't intentionally. That's right. You were talking about um, taking one straight path to getting what you want. And you don't really do that. You, you, you actually too tend to just sort of lay over somebody and then just wait for them to move and then take what you're given. Um, whereas Mark is much more like, I think I'm going to arm bar you today. Yeah. And then I'm just going to drive you into the ground until your arm flies into the air. And then I'm going to take it. <laughs> and that's how the day's going to go for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his time's even more limited than mine. So I mean, it kind of makes sense kind of why. Oh, it does. Why, yeah. Why it works out that way. Sure. But it, um, it, it, I, I've always found it very interesting as I, cause it, when I, when I first, grappled with both of the two of you there's like a stark difference between how you both grapple just because you're different people but also the pressure that you give is is drastically different and i've never actually felt anyone who's given me the kind of pressure that mark has done um ever and uh and so i was like well i wonder what it is like i wonder if trina doesn't know or if like mark is just secretly a jerk or maybe mark doesn't know how to like not have like maybe just you guys are just on different wavelengths. And, and as I learn more about how pressure functions, I just kind of realized that in part, it's kind of what your goal is first off. And also it's the training issue. Yeah. I'm also trying to see more pathways. Right. Exactly. And, uh, you're much more focused on do something different or if I can do something on my end to try to make them go a different way, exactly to a different pathway, you know, whereas like, he's kind of like, like he, he sees his end, he kind of sees his end goal and he goes, this is what I'm going through. Yeah. And then slowly and methodically gets there. I'm open. Where where, where do you feel like taking us today? (laughs) Right. Exactly. And, um, which is, uh, it's, it's choose also your death adventure and it changes constantly. Yeah, choose your death. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's fun because I I actually really like rolling with both of you um for you know dr- dramatically different reasons. You're much more playful. So we actually have like I actually have a lot of like, act, like natural fun when you and I grapple because we just kind of roll around basically. And I don't really have that kind of fun with Mark because there isn't a lot of like rolling around like with him. I just roll because he like forces me to do it. But <laughs> it's so it's a lot more painful in that regard. But it's also a lot of fun because a I expect and kind of know what he's attempting to do, and I have no way to stop it. And so it's a good challenge to just like 
really figure out the fundamentals of how to how to stop that kind of pressure. Um, it's a great challenge for me too. Uh, but, I love with him also. It's also my pleasure to throw him off his game too. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> so anytime I can sweep him when he didn't expect it, that makes my day. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and all of this is to say that I um, don't do what Mark does when we grapple. Just keep doing you because I don't want two people in the gym to... <laughs> Really, we can roll any way you want to. You just got to set the, set the mood for me first and let me know. Yeah, I'm always setting the playful mood, man. I, I'm always setting the playful mood. I, I'm not trying to have either yourself or Mark or you, Dan, crush the, the shit out of me. That is, that, is, that is never what I'm trying to do. I'm trying actively to stay away from that. <laughs> Say that again, Trio. I was just going to say, Dan's a killer too. Yeah. <laughs> Don't. Well, I was getting to Dan. <laughs> also I feel terrible. like to be hesitant with me. <laughs> Dan also has terrible pressure and I hate it. <laughs> I think Mark's kind of carrying the flag for that. But uh, yeah, that's he, he's the guy I look at closest in terms of naturally where, where my game is and yeah. where his is. I'm like, okay, I, I need to study what he's doing. Well, yeah, when, when we, I remember we first rolled, I was like, shit it's like a lankier mark <laughs> it's like, i'm more flexible like, I, I, get, yeah, I, I, I will say that i'm more flexible I was like i hope he doesn't join the gym and then you did <laughs> like, I, don't, I can't handle two of these people like <laughs> pretty soon mark and him are going to become best friends mark's going to be like you're kind of doing this a little bit wrong do this and then it's going to be they're just going to be the same person <laughs> <laughs> I know what to switch to now. <laughs> I'm changing gyms and I'm never coming back. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm sure you're going to be studying a bunch of uh, DDS and uh, whipping out the nasty leg locks on us. So. No, I didn't. Well, you'll still be walking away with a smile and come back. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, love, I love this shit. I don't care. I, I give you guys crap for it, but I, I, I love it. It's fun. It's um I've talked to both of you guys and we've mentioned a bunch on the podcast, but for me personally, like I, Dan and I always talk about uh, math therapy, but that's really what it is. It's like, I just love the challenge. It's therapy to me. Um, it's something that gives me an aim, you know, cause you guys all kick my ass. So it's like, I, I have something to like aim for. Um, not necessarily it's like an individual victory of like, Oh, I got, I, you know, I tapped you. It's more of like, you did not crush me today as badly as you normally crush me. And, um, it's like the, I always look at the small victories because I figure like a lot of the time, especially with more experienced belts, cause like I'll do this with kids in particular, but with say other white belts or other blue belts that I can, I know I can handle, like I'll let them move as opposed to just trying to like be as oppressive as I can. And I don't do that often cause it's not really my style, but I, I will still do it. And so it's not enough to be like, well, I got a submission because I never know, or most of the time I don't know if like I actually got the submission or like you gave me the submission. Like it's kind of hard to know that line. Um, even as I get better, like sometimes I can figure it out. Sometimes I know I've caught people, but it's like, if you're trying to keep me down and I managed to like get a knee free and like do like a part of an elbow escape from the bottom of mount, like I'm reasonably confident most of the time that it, I probably got that the tiny details, right? Like if I'm able to get a little bit of space for a bridge and get an elbow in on under or something, you know, under in the bottom of site control, like those are the things I focus on. And then it's just incremental from there. It's like, okay, I'm probably not going to get you off of me, 
but can I get into a slightly better position where I can slightly breathe better? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I got, you know, plenty of different ways to like keep myself motivated and everything. But when I was yeah. coming back from my two year hiatus, when I'm wrong against Brian for like a good while, it was just like, can I just surprise him once? Yeah. It doesn't even have, necessarily have to be a sweep. Can I just surprise him? <laughs> yeah. You know, even just one time, you know, if I just got that one, I was pretty happy. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, that's, um, I know, I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but that's, I think that's part of the reason why I've never been burnt out personally from jujitsu. It hasn't hit yet is because there's always just like one extra little thing I want to work on. And I don't, that's, and then I find the next one, right? Tomorrow I'm going to come into the gym and whatever, I'm going to figure something out, but then something else is going to take me down. And it's like, okay, well now I got something new to work on. So like, let's go back to the drawing board. Yeah. There's people don't realize there's, or may not realize, I mean, there's tons of ways to keep yourself, like, you know, keep yourself interested aside from just watching videos and instructions, right? Yeah. Every, every failure is an opportunity, no matter what level it's on. It'd be like, I knew what I was doing against this white belt, but for whatever reason, I don't like the way I was doing my, uh, doing my butterfly sweeps. Yeah. Now I'm going to work on butterfly sweeps and refine that. You know, right. sometimes okay. I just find for some reason, I just move away from certain things and then I'll do it with somebody rolling. And I'm like, I need to revisit this again because it's yep. been a while. It's been so long. I'm not really doing it as automatic as I used to. So like, right. I need to read this again, you know, just clean everything up and keep the train rolling. I think a lot of it is a lot of people are taught that like being good at something is like a finite thing. Like if you've, you kind of have it or you don't. So like you do bad on a math test and you're, you know, your, your dad or your mom's like, oh, well, your mom's not very good at math either. Don't worry about it. Like stick to what you're good at, that kind of thing. And I think a lot of people are taught, taught that way. It's like, oh, it's, you don't need to read. Like, don't worry about getting a bad test, a reading test. Like, you don't need to read to have a job, you know, whatever, that, that kind, kind of thing. Um, you know, uh, but um, what does Arnold Schwarzenegger say in The Simpsons? He's like, I wasn't elected to read. I was elected to lead. <laughs> Not to read. That's right. Yeah. But on the other, on the other end of that spectrum, though, you have people who, it's not about, it's not, it's not finite. It, it's, it's, it's not about doing something and getting a bad result and then thinking you're bad. It's about, it's about growth and effort. And so there's, you know, there's kind of two different ways you can learn. And I, I think that, um, all of us in particular, uh, kind of, I think have this added. And I think it's a lot of the people who stick around for the long haul end up getting black belt. My present, my, my hypothesis is that that's actually a big part of, why they do it is because it isn't about the accolades or hitting the belt or, you know, I, I did this now I'm good. It's about, I have to, I just, I, I fail and I'm going to try until I succeed. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fail myself to like six to succeeding because I just keep trying. I don't give up. And which is kind of, I think probably fundamentally where that, that saying of, um, you know, a, a, a black belt is a white belt that never quit. Like that, I think that's kind of fundamentally what that means is that it's not about really the belt or being good, whatever that's supposed to mean. It's like, well, just show up every day and, and do shit. Yeah, just just do stuff and, and find a reason to do it. And then 
eventually it's just going to click and then. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's also doing it when you don't feel like necessarily doing it too. Yep. You know? it's, that, yeah, that's yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it, it could be definitely be a big percentage of the general picture because I mean, it's, yep. even these days, it's so much. It's even easier to just like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it's easier to just walk away from things. You know, I started. I started doing that. Um, a couple of years ago, like when I, when I wouldn't feel like going to the gym, I would go. And, you know, my, my girlfriend doesn't do jujitsu, but she, you know, she goes to the gym or did go to the gym before COVID and, you know, she'll run and stuff and, and work out her on her own. And so what I started telling her is when, when she would not want to go, she wasn't feeling like it. I would tell her like, Hey, you know, this is the time when you should go. You should go when you least feel like it, because you're going to feel better afterwards. I always feel better when I go. And you're going to too, but I've been doing that for so long that when I don't feel like going, she will tell me that I have to go because I always give her shit about not wanting to go. And then I make, I basically, I don't make her go, but I, I give her, I'm like, you know, you should probably go. And so like, I don't have an excuse anymore. Like I can't because my girlfriend will just call me out on it. Now you got good some- woman, Bo. That's a good one. It's, it's a double-edged sword though. Cause now I was like, <laughs> what if I really don't want to go? Like I, I'm kind of stuck because she's like, you've been harping on me about this for three years. <laughs> yeah. and now I don't want to go. Like I, I don't want to, cause you won't shut up about it. So like, get your ass to the gym and don't come back until you're in a good mood. You know, like, <laughs> well, you know, there's a, there's a hack I used to use with my personal training clients um, when they were you know, doing their workouts, when we weren't actually winning the session. <clears throat> if I didn't feel like working out that day, I said, all you got to do is show up and touch the locker door. If you get to the gym and you touch the locker door and you still don't want to work out for whatever reason, then give yourself a pass. But you made a commitment to yourself, so you have to at least show up. And nobody ever goes home. You get there, you're like, oh, okay, fine, I'll get my workout in. You know at the so, gym, like I, I've always ninety yeah. percent of it is just getting to that front door. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> For me, it's putting on my gym clothes. Like once I once I have like my gi bottoms on, I'm like, I don't which I usually actually already have them on, but like I'll grab my gi and like the, <laughs> I'll like cruise well, around I'll the like, house full gi. I'll like yeah, I I'll pack my gi in my bag or whatever and get some water and it's like, well, I've already kind of gotten to the trouble to fold my gi, put my belt in there. Like I put on deodorant, like I, you know, brush my teeth, whatever. Like I'm already ready to go. Like I might as well just get the fuck out of here. Like <laughs> you know, just might as well, you know, <laughs> but I love it. Well, that um, we're at about two hours, just under two hours, actually. That went quick. It did. It went very quick. Did you have any other questions, Dan, or did you have anything you wanted to talk about, Trino? I um, that is not all of my questions, but it is uh, um, most. And so I figured I'd save a few for the next time we have you on the podcast. Plus, I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm getting there too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at my end. I, I can't think of anything specifically. You know, unless you guys wanted to ask it, but I'm sure we'll probably have some more opportunities to do that yep. too. We will have you on many more times, I am sure. And so this is, uh, on my end, this was a lot of fun. I assume it was also a lot of fun for Dan. Yes, sir. I could say it just, it's at least great to know that I'm appreciated. <laughs> you know? yeah. You're very Sometimes at our gym, it just seems like, like, it seems like about four people do. <laughs> and otherwise, it's kind yeah. of, it can kind of seem like I'm a ghost or like I wasn't even there. So. Well, I know too, like, our gym has gotten a lot smaller over the years as well. And that doesn't help. Right. Is it, uh, from the time I, I joined 
to where we were at before we we you know, we closed in March. Um, we were at about a hundred students when I joined adults, down to about twenty five or thirty. Hmm. And most of that was uh, just life. Most of uh, injuries and kids, marriage, that kind of thing. I mean, we also have the latest classes of anybody in the area, too. So. Sorry, say that again. We also have the latest classes of anybody in the area, too. That's, that's actually a big part of it, yeah, is that um, we, we have we're, – I think we're the only gym within, like, a 10-mile radius that has a class after 9 p.m. <laughs> Even after 8. I love that. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> that's that's my the thing. That, that's the thing that's what's funny, Dan, is that, like, Brian did all that because he likes late classes. And so like Mark is an example, nine o'clock is like the only time he can get to the gym because he's got kids and family. And I know you were similar, Trina, it was harder later, earlier in the day to get to class. And you're like that. And Purple Belt Rob is like that. And uh, Purple Belt Hawaiian, Hawaiian Chris is like that. Like most of the people even who were still around and even the ones who weren't like DG, he was commuting an hour each way. And so like he had to do later class. And so it's interesting because, you know, we talked about um, cultivating like uh, your gym vibe and all that because of Brian's personality. But like he set up the classes that works best for him. And so, of course, for all the years, like it's people who want to be here at 10 o'clock. And um, and then as those people slowly fall off because that's late, um, you're left with people like me who don't want to be there at 10 (laughs) (laughs) o'clock. The one thing with this COVID it, it, uh, break is that it definitely made me realize, like, I was running on really short sleep yeah. every week, every single week. So it's like, well, if those times don't change, I will be switching up, like, how I do this. Because, yeah, like, I didn't realize it until I got, like, a full week of sleep, you know, for a week straight. I was like, right. oh, my God. It's like easily like the first like five days, like, like eight hours. It's just like not enough. I was like, more sleep. (laughs) And then after a few weeks in, I was like, oh man, I feel great. (laughs) We, uh, we most likely will be, uh, we'll be, I'm positive actually, we'll be able to move back classes to at least an hour earlier so instead of ending it even an hour make a world difference (laughs) instead of ending at 10 they end at nine um i we actually made a change with friday classes they were going to go from uh seven to eight thirty instead of seven to ten um mostly because as it got later on fridays people you know it's hard people are not necessarily wanting to be there and then like we did that for two weeks and then we closed we had to close the gym due to covid and so i we didn't get a chance to really test that and see um, how that what went about, but my thought is that um, what I may end up suggesting, well, Brian, do of course, and I, I would suggest for you is moving the um, the Wednesday class that you do to like one full ninety minute class, and have like the last thirty minutes do grappling, just like that's just kind of how part of it. it's just, or maybe do it in the in the middle so people don't, some people will leave. Yeah. Just I don't want to do it. Yeah. But 
I'm, I'm, Brian's a big opponent of this. I'm a big opponent of like making people do it. Like yeah. if you're going to learn jujitsu, like you need to learn jujitsu, you don't got to get smashed and get hurt, but you, you kind of need to know how to do this functionally against someone who's resisting. Especially at our time. Um, a lot of people need to, yeah. need to learn what resistance feels like. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, um, you can only incorporate that. Well, I guess you sh- shouldn't say you can only do it. Um, it's something that um, I actually try and do a lot in classes just naturally with how I teach things is I'll have no resistance and then I'll up the resistance on time, you know, of like uh, positional sparring during the class to, to kind of to help with that. But, um, but yeah, I, my, my goal is to get us, I'd like to have classes stop at eight, but we have enough people that like the later classes that um i'm uh nine o'clock it'll be i'm, I'm hoping the nine will be the latest but um and then we can have a midnight class for dan nice because he as long as you got a key holder you can say hey i'm coming through right <laughs> yeah that's what i do i do that pretty much every day now so i just show up whenever yeah but um all right, perfect. Well, Trino, we uh, super appreciate you coming onto the podcast. Um, I want to have you back on again because it was a lot of fun and it was good to catch up and chat and actually learn a couple of things about you that I didn't know. And so, I, I did. I didn't know that side control was your favorite position. I thought you were going to say headquarters. So, um, I, that that was a pleasant surprise on my part. Well, headquarters, for, just uh, just development and game. Like, right. I, I spent a lot of time in side control before that. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so uh, that's all I got. This has been episode 16 of the Beyond Red and Blue podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we hope that you have a good morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever time it may be. Take care, everybody. Peace. Peace.